Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Well, hey there. Welcome to Blue Ridge Church, y'all. Thanks so much for being with us today. I hope you're having a great weekend so far. Um, we, we are in the, the tail end of this series, Sand People. And if you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about difficult people, kind of what we just saw, right? People who are difficult in our lives, people who cause problems for us, who rub us the wrong way. Uh, and, and really, how do we deal with them, right? How are we supposed to deal with these types of people as we go throughout our lives? We've talked about needy people. We've talked about critical people. We've talked about uh, people who are hypocrites. And we've tried to figure out like, what's the best approach that we can take as believers, as people who are on this faith journey of dealing with and, and, uh, and really uh, mingling with and having relationships with people in our lives who do those things to us. And this morning, we're going to close it out talking about the best types of people in the world, and it's the manipulative and controlling people in our lives. Okay, it's going to be a super fun morning. You're going to be so glad you came here. <laughs> but manipulative people, th- those are hard groups of people, right? Like uh, someone who's manipulative, when we say that, we mean someone who always has to be right, right? Where it's their way or the highway, where there's no compromise, there's no discussion. It's just what they want, and they will make a scene until they get what they want in their lives, right? And, and sometimes when we're dealing with them, it's easiest for us to just give into it. Right? That's what makes some, some of these people the hardest to deal with in our lives because, you know, they are manipulative, they're controlling, they're opinionated, they have something to say about everything, and, and, and really they have a way of getting what they want. Anyone have someone in their life who's controlling, someone you'd say maybe is a control freak, or maybe you live with them, work with them? Right? No one wants to admit it, right? There's a couple of you, <laughs> right? But isn't that true? Like we all have people, whether you live with them, you work with them, they're in your neighborhood, maybe they're people you're friends with. Uh, sometimes we don't even see who those people are, but we all have people in our lives who are manipulators, people who try to control and, and to, to lead things, even if there shouldn't be someone leading whatever that thing is. And, and controlling people aren't always bad, right? Sometimes it's a good thing. Uh, and I know it sounds weird to say, but sometimes it's good to have controlling people in your life because typically they're very confident in who they are. Uh, they're confident in what they believe, typically very good problem solvers, And so especially when you're at work or doing something where you've got to solve a lot of problems, having people like that can be an advantage to you. But then there's a different type of controlling person, and that's the type of people we need to run away from, right? To get as fast away from as we possibly can. The people in our lives who aren't doing it because they're trying to help us solve problems and get further in life, but they're trying to take advantage of us taking advantage of our weaknesses, taking advantage of places in our lives where we're not maybe strong and we don't have a lot of confidence in, but it's people who will use us in, almost as an accessory to, to them to get what they want from us because there's something that we have that they want. Okay, and, and some of you here, you've been a victim of some of those types of people, people who in relationships especially, maybe it's someone you were married to, maybe it's someone you were dating, Maybe it's someone in your household, a mother or a father or a guardian, someone who was supposed to take care of you, but what they did was they they manipulated you and they got you to do things that you wouldn't normally have done. Uh, They got you to think certain ways that you probably shouldn't be thinking, and and they got you to compromise some of the values that you have just because of the nature of who those people were. And so um, there's definitely a line when it comes to the types of controlling people we deal with. 
Okay, And I think as Christians, this is really important for us to talk about. And it's good for everyone to talk about, whether you're here and you believe in God or not, but especially as Christians, because doesn't God tell us to love differently than the world? Doesn't God teach us to treat other people differently than everyone else treats other people? The way we love others, the way we care for others, the way we expect the best out of others. Here's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7. Paul says, love bears all things. It believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Right, that part about believing all things is a hard one to live out. Of uh, what true love is, is it's, it's really coming down to the way we see other people, the way we believe the best about them, that we're supposed to, to love them and to, to not rush to judgments or rush to conclusions about who they are or, or what they're about. We're supposed to believe them, Right? Now, last week, Scott talked about hypocrisy and talked about that's not all, all the times how we live our lives out, but that's the way we're called to, right? We're called to see other people as, as people who are good and, and to believe them and to trust them and, and in ways to, to expect the best out of them instead of assume the worst. But sometimes that can cause us to be a little blinded to the people, especially the people who will take advantage of us as Christians, as people who are of faith, who maybe you love in a way that's unconditional or take advantage of your forgiveness where they just run all over you and do whatever they want because they know you'll forgive them or take advantage of your generosity. They know as a Christian, you're supposed to live your life with your hands open. And so it's easy for people to, to come around and expect handout, handouts from you or expect things from you because you're just so generous. And so it's something we've got to deal with. Just like all the other sand people qualities we've had to figure out how to deal with, we've got to figure this one out too because manipul being manipulated by other people makes it really hard for us to follow God. I think what we're going to find out in the scripture is that it's actually impossible to be doing what God calls us to do while living under the manipulation and control of somebody else. Because instead of doing what God wants, we're so preoccupied with doing whatever that person wants us to do that we miss out on so much of what God has for us. And if we don't figure out how to deal with them, then it can lead to destruction and disaster for our lives. And so if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to encourage you to write this down for learning number one. I think here's a couple things we can do to deal with them. I think we've got to learn how to identify them first, which is learning number one. Uh, and, and here's what we'll notice the first thing manipulative people will do. Manipulative people use excessive flattery and praise. Okay, if you notice when you read through the Bible, the scripture uses a lot of, there's a lot of warnings against people who are manipulators and controllers. Okay, a lot of it has to do with theology and what we believe, but it all has that same principle right? That we need to run away from these people, that they're not good for us. There's, there's usually a lot of uh, the, the way they talk, the way they speak, the way they communicate to us. Here's what it says in Romans chapter 16, verse 18. Paul says, for such people are not serving our Lord, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of innocent people. Right? So what Paul's doing here is painting a picture of who these people are. He's saying they're, they're people who only care about their own interests, People who care about themselves, their, their own appetites, he uses, their, what they want, right? What their opinions are, what they want in a decision is all that matters, right? And so what they'll do is they'll use what he says is smooth talk and flattery in order to deceive the minds of innocent people, to deceive the minds of people who maybe aren't as strong-willed as they are or confident in themselves as they are. And what they'll do is they'll speak in a way that makes it seem like they really care about you and they really love you, but really all they want is something from you. He says they use smooth talk and they use flattery. Has anyone ever heard of a phrase called love bombing? 
Right? It's usually in relationships, but love bombing is something that's typically, like, for example, if you're dating someone, it's when the other person it goes through seasons of that relationship where they're, they compliment you like crazy. They're doing things for you. They'll, they'll buy you things. They'll constantly be calling you or, or wanting to be around you. And, and everything you do, they'll say something nice and something good about it. Um, really, it's just, just overwhelming you with love. That's why it's called love bombing. Right? And it's not just in relationships. It can be in your workplace, too, where you have an employer or a boss or a coworker who's just constantly complimenting you of how good you are of a worker. Or uh, it could be a parent who's constantly telling you how great of a kid you are or a teacher or just a good friend who's always saying how nice you are and, and how, how just amazing you are as a human being. And, and they'll love bomb you and shower you and lavish you with all of this praise and love. Right? And not all of that's bad. Just because someone is love bombing you doesn't mean they're manipulating you. But typically what you'll find out is if someone's trying to control you or manipulate you, there's always something attached to those compliments. There's always something that comes next after those, that praise. Maybe it's a couple of days later or a couple of weeks later. It's something that they want. Right? And so what they're saying to you and what they're doing to you isn't necessarily because they mean it, but it's because they know later on in life they're going to want something from you. And so this is where they're going to build their case. It's called love bombing. It's kind of what Paul talks about is they use smooth talk and they use flattery in order to get what they want. Uh, this is really easy to see with kids, with children, if you've got young kids, um, because kids are not good at lying yet <laughs> for the most part. But have you ever had a kid come in, like if you, you work at home or you're just at, the, at home one day and you come in and, and your kid walks up to you and he's like, hey, dad, you're just the best dad ever. Or, or mommy, you're, you're just the most beautiful mom in the whole world. Right? If you're a parent, what's the first thing you think of? Right? What do you want? <laughs> right? What is it that this kid wants? Like, they're about to ask me for something, for money, for, you know, the car, or for whatever, for, for new clothes, whatever, it's to play a game. They're going to ask you for something, right? And so what they're doing is they're love bombing you. They're complimenting you and making you feel really good because they're going to ask you for something in just a minute, right? And that's what a manipulator will do. Again, kids aren't smart enough to really realize that they're doing that, that we could see through that for the most part, but, but that's what people will do. If they want to control us or manipulate us, they'll give us what we want. They'll tell us what we want to hear. They'll flatter us to make us feel really good about ourselves or really good about them to make us, to make us do whatever they want us to do. Right? It's almost like a, a manipulation tool that gives them power over us to blind us from being able to see what they're really trying to do. Now, we'll talk a little bit more about this in learning number three, but I think what you'll find out as you go through your life is that people will learn the things that you love. People will learn about the things you love to hear, the things you love to be done to you, and then they will do those things in order to exploit you. Right? They'll learn about the basic needs that you have. I and mean, we all have basic needs of love. Right? We all need to be loved. We all need to be accepted. We all need to feel valued. We all need to feel like we're wanted in a relationship. And so what a manipulator will do is they'll figure out what are the things in your life that you really want, and they'll give them to you. They'll bomb you with them. They'll shower you with those things. Unfortunately, not because they mean it, but because they know it's going to build up a case for them to ask you for something later on in life, something that you might not normally feel comfortable doing, something that you might not want to necessarily do, 
but, but because they've flattered you, because they've spoken in such kindness and are done something so nice for you, then you're almost feeling like you're obligated to do it and give it back to them. That's how you spot them, though. That's how you spot a manipulator. One of the ways we identify them is that there's always something attached to, to the compliments. There's always something else that they want outside of giving you those nice compliments and good words. And it's, a, it's a, something we're all vulnerable to, okay? Like this isn't something there that only weak people deal with. Even the strongest-willed people will deal with this too just because it's our human nature, right? And in every area in life, here's what it says in 2, Corinthians, or 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul warns this to Timothy. He's talking to Timothy. He says, people will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want them want to hear. Now, even though this is talking more about falling away from Christ because of theology, again, the principle is the same, that, that we're attracted to the things we want, right? We're drawn into the things we're looking for, whether that's in another person, maybe that's in a job or, or a quality of someone in a friendship, that, that we're going to be attracted to the things that we want as human beings, the things we need, the things we desire, in life, it's just kind of like marketing, right? I'll give you what you want, and you're more likely to give me what I want. Right? Like if I can give you something of value or do something for you, you're way more likely to do something for me in return. And that's exactly what happens. It's almost like bait that's put in front of us is that, you know, we kind of get tunnel visioned in and we can't really see the truth and see what's really happening uh, behind the scenes. But they're only doing this. They're saying these things, doing these nice things for us because there's something attached to it, right? People will take advantage of the things we're attracted to, whether that's a relationship, that's a boss at work. Anyone will take advantage of the things they know you want in order to get what they want. And so that's something just as in general as people we need to figure out, right? The things that you're attracted to, figure out the things that you desire in your life. Like for example, for men, men are attracted to the physical things, right? We're attracted to what we see. That's why when you read through the scripture, there's so many warnings about where you let your eyes go to because it's easy to manipulate a man by giving him visually what he wants to see, letting him see or, or almost like in a sense feel what he wants to feel. That's why, again, the Bible talks about guarding our eyes, of making sure we know where our eyes are at, because if we look the wrong way, kind of figuratively speaking, it could trap us in, a, in, a, in an experience or in a time where we are easily manipulated by whatever that person wants. Right? Women, same thing, maybe a little bit less visually, maybe more emotionally, which is why women always to be very careful of the people, the men especially, that come along in their lives that tell them all the things they want to hear, and do all the things that you want them to do. Because again, some people only do it because there's something that they want. And they're going to love bomb you. They're going to lavish you. They're going to smooth talk you and use flattery in order to get you on their side in order to get what they want. That's what makes manipulators really hard to deal with. Because they will often say the things you want to hear. They will do the things you want them to do. But the difficult part is that they don't truly mean it. There's always some ulterior motive of why they're doing what they're doing. And it's typically because they want something from you. And they will do whatever it takes to get it. There's a good story in, uh, well, not a good story. It's a good example in the book of Mark about a guy named John the Baptist. <clears throat> and if you know anything about John the Baptist, he was kind of a loud guy, said things about uh, pretty aggressively in the way he, he talked. And in this one particular case, he was uh, calling out King, the King Herod for marrying his brother's ex-wife. 
Okay, kind of like a West Virginia thing going on here in the story, um, which I can only make that joke because they destroyed us this past week. So, But it was a really interesting situation. So Herod is the king. He, his brother, divorced his wife, okay, Herodias. And Herod decided to marry her, which was against the Jewish law. So basically he was marrying his sister-in-law or ex-sister-in-law. And so John the Baptist was starting to publicly call him out for this and being like, this is against the law. You shouldn't be doing this. This is wrong for you to do. And obviously Herodias especially didn't like that because they were embarrassed by the whole situation. And so Herodias, she wanted her, her new husband, Herod, to kill John. Uh, but he wouldn't do it. He actually liked John. He didn't agree with everything John said, but he actually respected the guy for who he was. Uh, so he wouldn't kill him, but uh, Herodias did convince her husband, Herod, to imprison him or to arrest him and imprison him in jail indefinitely. Okay, and so even though Herodias wanted him dead, Herod would protect him and, and he'd have conversations with him and visit him in jail and had a sort of a weirdly good relationship with John, okay? Um, but Herodias was a manipulator, and so here's what she did. She came up with a plan that at Herod's next birthday, which was coming up in a couple days, she was going to have her daughter, who was the daughter of Herod's brother, right? So it wasn't Herod's daughter, but it was his niece. Yeah, it was his niece, right? Exactly. Thank you. Um, it was his niece. She was going to have her, her daughter do a dance for him. And the Bible doesn't say what kind of dance this was. But if you could imagine, it was not some, actually don't imagine that, we're a church. Uh, but that's the kind of dance it was. It was very provocative. It was something that probably shouldn't have ever happened. But at birthday parties in the ancient world, it, it got kind of like that. It got a little crazy. And so this was all a plan, right? So the birthday party comes, Herodias tells her daughter, you're going to go dance for your, your uncle. This is weird even talking about that. And, and here's what's going to happen. He's going to bless you with anything you want. Okay, and so she goes in and does her thing. And, and just like her mom said, Herod is so overwhelmed with joy. He's so pleased in what she was doing that, um, that he offered her anything she wanted. As a matter of fact, here's what he said to her in Mark chapter 6, verse 22. He says, ask me for anything you'd like, the king said to the girl, and I will give it to you. He even vowed, I will give you whatever you ask up to half of my kingdom, right? That's crazy to think about, like up to half of his kingdom. But if you're looking for ways to get your husband to clean the house tonight, <laughs> manipulation, right? <clears throat> no, but that, that's what happens, right? So, so he offers her anything she wants and she runs out of the room and goes, tells her mom, she goes, mom, you'll never believe it. He offered me anything I want. He said I could ask him for anything that, he, that I want in the whole world, basically up to half of his kingdom. What should I ask for? And can you imagine what she asked for? She told her daughter, go tell Herod to kill John. Go say I want John's head on a platter. And so she goes back in and tells John that's what she wants, or tells Herod that that's what she wants. And sure enough, that's what he does. He follows through and does it. That's a manipulator, right? That's someone who wants something that's not going to get their way. And so what they do is they use everything they can at their disposal to get what they want, even if it crosses a lot of lines on a moral and ethical scale, right? Manipulators are ruthless. They will do whatever it takes. They will hurt whoever they need to hurt. They will run over whoever they need to run over in order to get what they want. See, manipulators will give us what we want and they will act as though they're doing it out of kindness, but really it's a trap. 
It's a trap that sets us up for failure of feeling like we are obligated to give them back something in return. And that's the second way we identify someone who's trying to manipulate us in our life, and it's learning number two, is that manipulative people trap you into feeling responsible for their happiness. Okay, this is sort of what separates a manipulative person from someone who's just being really kind to you in seasons of their life, right? When it comes to manipulative people, people are truly trying to control you and manipulate you and exploit you, is that they will put you in a place in your life where you feel obligated and responsible for their happiness, right? They, they make you feel guilty because if they can make you feel guilty, they can make you feel responsible. Responsible to give them what they want, responsible for making them happy, responsible for supporting them in their dreams of what they want to do in life, responsible for everything, right? They almost put you in debt to them. It's why they flatter you, though. It's why they love bomb you. It's why they do all the things and say all the things they want to say because it drives up the score in the relationship, doesn't it? It puts you in a place as the victim of that as, as now you feel you've got to do something nice for that person. They did something for you. They sacrificed for you. Now it's your turn to do something for them. It's why when you say no to a manipulator, they'll say stuff like, I thought you loved me. I thought that we were perfect. I thought that this was, I did all this stuff for you. I sacrificed so much for you and you won't even do this for me. And they keep the long list of every nice thing and good thing they've ever done in order, again, to use it later when the time comes. It's almost like debt. If you've ever been in a lot of financial debt, if you have credit card debt or a personal loan or maybe student loan debt, right? Isn't it embarrassing? Like, isn't that something you really don't want to share with other people, or especially when you know you, you can't really pay it back? Like, you're, you don't know how you're going to pay whatever it is you owe back to, whether it's a bank or a credit card company or another person. Debt is embarrassing. And, and creditors, they are relentless, aren't they? They do not stop at anything. They're like three or four times a day, they'll call you. They'll call your mom. They'll call your dad. They'll call your kids. They'll call your boss. Like, have you ever had someone call your employer asking you where you were? Right, I've had a couple years ago, I missed a student loan payment by like three days. And I had someone call, a creditor call my one almost 80-year-old relative living in New York State that I hadn't talked to in years. And they were like interrogating her, asking her if she knew where I was. And I was like, that was so embarrassing. She told me that after, I was like, oh man, I'm so sorry. Like, I made the payment, I swear. I don't know what happened, <laughs> right? Right, but it's embarrassing. That debt is embarrassing. But that's exactly what manipulators do it for. Because they know that if they can make us feel guilty, they know that if they can make you feel embarrassed, then they can leverage you to feel responsible to do what they want. Love, that's not love, right? That is not the way God teaches us to love. That's not the way we're supposed to see love in the world. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 says, love is not self-seeking. It keeps no records of wrong. Right, love is, like, it's not bad to expect people to, to show you love if you're in a relationship with them. That's not what I'm saying. But there's going to be certain people that only do what they do in order to get something that they want, to make you feel terrible, to make you feel in debt to them, because later on, they're going to ask you for something that they want, and they're going to bring up all of the things they've done for you. Right, they, someone who's a manipulator, they keep score of everything. They keep, they're, they're, they keep records of every single thing that's wrong, every single thing that they do for you, and they will hold it over your head 
in order to use it and leverage you to give them and do for them what they want. It's embarrassing. That is embarrassing, but that's exactly why they do it. Because what they're really saying is this. I did all these amazing things for you. I did all these great uh, things for you. I sacrificed so much for you. Now it's your turn to do it for me. Now, the problem with manipulators, again, it's not bad to see and expect mutual respect from other people, but manipulators, just like a bank, will attach a lot of interest to those things, won't they? They're running up the credit, score, credit card, and they're charging a lot of interest, and they're going to ask for something from you that probably goes against your morals, goes against your convictions as a person, which is learning number three, is, is manipulative people can make us feel responsible and lead us to compromise our faith and our values. Right? That's why it's such a big deal. That's why when we talk about manipulators of being sand people is why it's such an important thing for us as Christians, if you're following Jesus, to deal with them and figure out how to deal with those people because what they have us do, the people who manipulate us and control us will often ask us and make us do things that go against what we believe, that go against some of the most important values that we carry as individuals. Like, think of some of the values that we have as Christians to love God, right? To love other people. We, we have values to be forgiving as individuals, to be honest, to pursue purity, to have integrity. And isn't it almost always the case that when someone's manipulating us or trying to control us, they're trying to get us to do something that would go against some of those values? To ask us to do things that could mean that we walk down a path that we don't necessarily want to walk down? They make us feel trapped in it, right? They make us feel like we're obligated to do it. I mean, even just think of the John the Baptist story, right? Like he, he felt obligated that he had to do that for his, his niece because she did something for him, right? She gave him something that he wanted, whether it's weird or not looking back at it. But he felt trapped. He felt obligated. The word that's used in that passage is the same word that would be used to talk about a legal obligation to do something, he feels obligated to give her what she wanted, feeling trapped to give her what she wanted. Sometimes when we feel obligated to pay people back, it often leads us to compromise those values. But here's what it says in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25. Fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. And I love that so much because it, it, really fearing is less about being afraid and more so about of, of uh, or less about being scared and more about being and feeling responsible to do things for other people. Like we're afraid to let them down or we're afraid to disappoint them or we're afraid to say no to them. And so we do what they want or we do whatever they say, but it often comes at the sacrifice and as the cost of doing what God wants, of what God says. That's why in the beginning we said that it's really difficult to follow God's plan for our lives when we're living in a manipulative relationship with someone else or we're engaged in a relationship, whether that's at home or at work or at school or in our friend circle where people just manipulate us to get us to do what they want us to do. Something that I've learned as I've gotten a little older too is when it comes to manipulative people um, is they'll target certain individuals Right? Like if you are someone who fits the, the criteria of, uh, of who, they, who they're always attracted to, then you've got to be on kind of a double measure of, of guard against these people. Here's a couple different types of people who are really attracted to or manipulators are really attracted to. The first type is people who really struggle with self-confidence. 
Right, so if you're here and you are, I mean, you're, you're constantly afraid of letting people down. You're really not confident in who you are. You're afraid of making mistakes of what other people will think about you. Then you will attract manipulative people everywhere you go, everywhere throughout your life. In school, you're going to attract the, the groups of people who know you'll do 90% of the work. Okay, uh, at work, you'll attract the lazy coworkers in the office. In relationships, you'll attract the people who will think they can do whatever they want to do because you, you have no confidence in yourself, you have no opinions, you have nothing that you desire, and so you'll attract people in your life who run all over you, right? They'll use your weakness, they'll use and exploit your weakness of having low self-esteem in order to get what they want. Okay, here's another type of person that manipulators are attracted to. It's people who struggle to say no, Anyone struggle to say no to people? Like you're, always, like you're yes to every single person, whether that's you know, at work or maybe it's in your neighborhood or you're asking people to help. Manipulators are like magnets to you. Okay, they will use the, your weakness of not being able to say no to someone and use you to get whatever they want because they know if they need something, you're the person to ask. Right, if, you're, if you struggle with saying no and you've got a pickup truck, Game over, right? <laughs> like, if you can't say no, you will be a taxi cab for everyone who needs help, right? You better sell that truck now, <laughs> right? They, they'll take advantage of it. People know who to talk to when they need something. They know that this person will never say no, right? At, at work, if you can't say no, who's the first person they're going to ask? Everyone's going to ask to cover a shift. You, right? Who's the first person they ask to come in extra hours on the weekend or do that extra project? You, right? Because you can't say no. Manipulators will learn that stuff. They will understand that about you and then use those things, use your weaknesses to exploit you to get you to do the things that they want. Another type of person who manipulators are attracted to are the people who are afraid of conflict. Like if you're here and you're just like, like you just can't even think, like you just get sick to your stomach thinking about confronting someone, or like you will be someone who, who manipulative people are so attracted to. They will never not be in your life, right? Because again, they're gonna exploit your, your fear of conflict. And in relationships, you're gonna find the people, you're gonna find yourself dating and engage with the people who, again, will do whatever they wanna do because they know that you'll never say anything to them. They know that they can get away with anything, whether that's in a relationship, like a romantic relationship, that's your work relationship, just a friend that you've got, maybe it's someone you live with. If you're afraid of conflict, they will do whatever they want to do knowing that you will never say anything, you'll never object, you'll never confront them about it, and they'll exploit it. They'll exploit it. And when you think about it, when someone's living like that, if someone's a manipulator, there's really no reason for them not to. Right? Because they don't think in their minds that this is bad. They think, well, this person's going to make me better. They're going to help me do what I want to do. They're going to help me accomplish my dreams. But often it comes at the cost of you, of your dreams, of what you want, of what God has for your life. But that's why we got to be on such guard of these people. Of on guard, especially if you're in a relationship with them in marriage or in a dating relationship or in a relationship that you find it hard to get out of that relationship. Right? Because if you're never going to confront someone, if you're never going to say no, if you, if you have such low self-esteem, then they know that they can use you and manipulate you to do whatever they want you to do. Why? Because you'll never say no. You'll never object to it. You'll never threaten to leave. You'll do whatever they say, whenever they say it, and however they want you to do it. 
It's impossible to be manipulated by others and truly be following God. And so what do we do about these people? How are we supposed to handle them in our lives? Uh, Here's a, a few quick things and then we'll close up. Learning number four is the first one. The first thing we need to do is to discover who we are in Christ. Okay, part of the reason why manipulators target those who are not confident in what they believe or not confident in themselves is because it's really easy to steamroll those types of people. But you'll find that if you are very confident in who you are, especially when you find your confidence comes from Jesus, it's much harder for others to take advantage of you and it's much harder for for others to do things and say things and live in a way where they take advantage of the things that your weaknesses are in your weaknesses. Okay, here's what it says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. He says, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. That's another version. You are a holy nation. You are God's very own possession. In another place, he says, you are his workmanship. You are a new creation. Right, when we start understanding who we are in Christ, it gives us the strength and confidence and the ability to to separate the people in our lives who are using us for their own desires and their own appetites from the people who truly love us and want to be with us and say those things and do those things because they truly mean it. Not because later they know they're going to get something in return, not because they know they can get something out of you or use it to rack up your debt to them and, and put you in debt and feel responsible to make them happy, but to have the confidence to know that you are who you are in Christ because of what Jesus did on the cross and it is not your responsibility to, to be, it's not your, your responsibility to make other people happy. It's not your job to satisfy all the needs of some other person. When we struggle with our confidence, that's what we think, isn't it? Like, I'm the one that's supposed to do this for that person. Because especially as a Christian, right? We're, we're supposed to be the nice people. We're supposed to be the sacrificial people. We're supposed to be the ones that give up our dreams and give up our lives for the sake of someone else. And that's true, But especially in a romantic relationship when you're dating or you're married, that really only works when both people do it. But when we have the confidence of who we are in Christ, it gives us the ability to see that, to see those people for who they are and to really discern in our minds and in our hearts who those people are and what their intentions are for us. So the first thing we need to do is work on the confidence piece of knowing who we are in Christ, of getting ourselves in a place in our walk with Christ where we know who we are, we know what our strengths are, we know what our weaknesses are, and it gives us the ability to see the people who are doing those things for who they are. And here's the last thing, and it's learning number five. We need to ask God to help us see our own need to control and manipulate others. Like we've been talking about since week one, it's hard to deal with sand people. It's hard to deal with needy people. It's hard to deal with overly critical people. It's hard to deal with people who are hypocrites. It's hard to deal with manipulators. But the truth is, at some point in all of our lives, we all fit those same roles. There's, there's no one in this room who's exempt from being a manipulator and a controller. Now, you might not be exploiting someone and, and abusing someone with that, But what we see, part of our sin nature in our lives is that we all want to control. We all want to make the choices. We all want to have what we want. And that's part of why we, when we read in the scripture, it it teaches us and shows us and instructs us to be constantly giving over to God to control the things that are so important and most important in our lives. Because God really truly is the only one who, who can take control. 
When we try to take control, it it makes us feel like we're in control. It makes us feel like we can manipulate circumstances and protect people in our lives and, and do things certain ways that we think they should go. But in the end, it's really only God. And that's, as you grow up in your faith, you realize that more and more and more, right? As the more control I try to take, it seems like we lose the control more often. But when I open up my hands to God and give God those important things in my life, actually give God everything in my life, he takes it and runs with it in that trust. Here's what it says in the book of Isaiah, chapter 26, verse three. Isaiah says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. And so trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. I love that picture of God being a rock, an an immovable force in our lives that if we give him control, he will take care and he will protect, and he will do the things that that really need to be done, even if it's not something that we think should be done, even if it's something that we think if we had control, we would do it better. The scripture promises us if we trust him and give him the control, he will protect it. He will do it for us. Just starts with trust. Starts with our ability to hand those things to God and trust him for the things we can. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you just acknowledging that this is all of us. God, we're we're all controllers. We're all people who are manipulators. We're all people who are needy. We're all critical. We're all uh, hypocrites. Every single one of us in this room deals with these types of people in our lives, but we're also all these people too. And so God, help us see our own need for you. Help us to see our own uh, need for your help, for you to, to get that stuff out of our lives. God, we want to trust you. We want to hope in you. And God, we want to live for you. And so along with that, God, help give us the the discernment and the wisdom to know who in our lives are the people who are truly loving us, who are truly there because and doing things for us because they care for us. And who are the people in our lives who are only doing those things and saying those things because they want something from us. God, we want to follow you. We want to trust you. We don't want to be bogged down by all the worries and the cares of this world and worried about pleasing all these other people and doing things for everyone else and forgetting the most important relationship, and that's the relationship with you. And so God, help us to see that. Help us to understand that. And God, help us to follow you in everything we do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, hey, all, thanks so much for being here. I know those of you here in person, uh, if there's anything you need, uh, please let us know. Fill out one of those connection cards. I'm sure when you came into the building, you saw all the T-shirts lined up. Those are free, the T-shirts and hats. And so please, we just ask that you take one of them. You can bring one for a family member who's not here this morning, but feel free to take a shirt, take a hat, wear that wherever you want. That's our gift to you, just to say thanks for being here. Thanks for being a part of this church. Um, The second big thing is we have group signups going right now. So if you want to be a part of a group, if you are looking for other people to be in relationship with, maybe you're looking for a Bible study, maybe you're looking for just people to hang out with and people to meet at the church, I want to encourage you to check that out on our website or on the app if you've got it. There's there's 57 different types of groups that you can join. And so look through those, pray about it, think about it, join a group, get connected. If there's anything else you need, please fill out that connection card and let us know. But thank you so much for being here and we hope to see you next week.